0: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman. And welcome to this episode. I'm really excited to have Donna Weber with me today. She's the author of the book Onboarding Matters. And I think this is going to be a great topic of interest for our listeners, because I don't think we spend enough time talking about this important aspect of the overall customer experience. So we're happy to welcome Donna to our podcast. And if you would, Donna, uh, please introduce yourself uh, to our listeners.
1: Well, first of all, Bob, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here and yes, I'm Donna Weber. I work with uh, high growth companies to create customers for life. And I'm located in Smoky, California.
0: Oh, indeed. Right. It's pretty bad uh, out there, continues to be pretty bad out there. Yes. Uh, as we record this podcast. So, Donna, our listeners always love to hear about career paths. How do people like yourself uh, get to the point you are at in your career? have an interest in onboarding, write a book. They just love to hear um, about your background. So take us through your career path, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Absolutely, Bob. So I have worked in several startups, helping them get customers enabled and adopting the product. I've started customer education groups from scratch. And so very much on the front lines of getting customers enabled and adopting the product. And um, there was a point where, you know, we were moving more and more into subscription economy and realizing that it wasn't just about butts and seats and getting people trained and how many classes we delivered, even though that was all thrilling and, and exciting for me. And, you know, staying uh, up to date with the latest software release, it started being clear to me that it was about customer retention customer expansion, um, renewals and seeing that the impact of what I did was really about impacting the business bottom line, not just selling another course. And um, that was around the time where the uh, field of customer success was growing. So I started really seeing how the work I did could be impacting uh, the world of customer success. And um, I was at, at, you know, at several companies, I was always the one raising my hand going, hello, what about our existing customers? Because these companies would always be focused on the sales and marketing and the product. And somehow it just was never sexy enough to like, you know, get our existing customers, you know, engaged and buying more. And so at um, the last company I worked at, uh, instead of asking for uh, permission, I just started to see the gap that, we, that our customer facing teams were in silos. No one was really owning the customer journey, the customer experience. No one was proactively guiding customers to reach their objectives. We were extremely reactive and I can go into that further as we talk. And so um, I started pulling together The seeds of the orchestrated onboarding framework which I uh, detail in the book, and um, I mean really I was I had two jobs at the time I was. uh, I had my uh, running the customer education organization and was uh, building out this whole new approach, because I was just so excited and really wanted to be part of the solution.
0: Oh, well, it's it's always interesting to hear the backgrounds, and and rarely are they uh, linear. They're they're zigzagged, and there's different challenges that occur throughout your career path. and And you sound like uh, no exception. And, and And then in your comments, you've you've um, shared some interesting terms that I know our listeners are interested in. One is customer success, and and Donna, there's a there's a whole world of discussion going on right now. Is what is customer success? What is customer experience? How do the two interact? Are they are they opposed to one another? There's all kinds of discussion around this. What's your perspective on this? And give us kind of a, an overview of where you think we're at at this point from, uh, from your view.
1: Well, in the before times, before the pandemic, I went to a meetup in San Francisco that, so I, I go to the customer success meetups and there was one where we had a combined as customer success and a customer experience meetups were combined. Oh, I think there were over 300, 350 people there. It was standing room only, it was packed. So uh, there's obviously, um, you know, interest in like, we're, we're all interested in each other. To be honest, whenever we have something called the customer, customer success, customer experience, that's a good thing because As we all know, we need to be paying a lot more attention to the customer Um, and you know customer success has gone. um, Is I would say, starting to enter it's kind of starting to mature, you know so phase one customer success 1.0 was very reactive It, it came into being because in a subscription economy companies started to realize you can't just keep. You know bagging new logos you got to keep the customers, you have due to customer acquisition costs so cu- customer acquisition costs or CAC mean that it might cost let's say $2 for every dollar of new revenue, you bring in to get a new customer due to the sales and marketing costs. And and in the perpetual license days you know you might have had this long sales cycle, but then you got all your money up front, so you could you know really cover all of those acquisition costs, however, with a subscription. selling subscription software, and those are the kinds of companies I generally work with, but you might not it might not just be software, I mean pretty much everything sold on subscription these days. I mean, I buy uh, cosmetics on soft on subscription. I get my entertainment on subscription. I get, um, you know, consumer goods sold on subscription. So it's not just software. But the idea is that it's so much easier for the buyer to um, to kind of try out the product. It's kind of like you're renting a home rather than buying a home. So let's say I go and I rent a home. It's furnished. And um, so that the, the journey to um, d- make a decision of where i'm going to rent may just be a few weeks, rather than you know, it could be a couple years when you're buying a home. And so I can go in there try it out and um, you know, see if I like the neighborhood see if I like the town, but I can also leave just as abruptly. Um, so that's what we're facing in this sub- subscription economy it's easier to get uh, users, not, you know when you think about it with your. Um, with your mobile phone apps, mobile apps, you know, oh yeah, I'll try this out. And if you're not onboarded and engaged, probably in a matter of moments, you just never use it again, right? (laughs) So there's really uh, low commitment. Um, But when companies keep their customers and they renew and they retain and they buy more and they tell their friends and they tell their colleagues, then that dollar that you spent or $2 that you spent, to get the customer, all that revenue starts compounding and it may cost cents on the dollar to keep the customer. So now the profits keep compounding and it's a really compelling story. Hmm.
0: I, I've worked for a number of companies, um, that had subscription models in a B2B environment. Donna, I, I, I'm interested in, uh, the the term that you've used, the subscription economy. I, I guess I've not heard that before, but as you explain it, it makes total sense to me. And maybe I've just been ignorant of it, but it's certainly all around us. Uh, is it continuing to evolve, or or uh, how do you see it uh, the future of the subscription economy in a B two B environment?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely continuing to evolve. Evolve. And the thing is, is it is a very compelling story, so more more and more um, industries are moving to subscription because of this recurring revenue and, like I said, once you get. The customers to be loyal and sticky the money they just keep spending the money and it just keeps compounding and getting a new customer the new accounts ends up becoming just icing on the cake and mckinsey shares that even at startups that the the revenue coming from existing customers can be anywhere from 50 to 80 percent of total revenue so it's really changing the way companies work i mean to be honest i think that many companies even though they may sell their products on a subscription model are still really stuck in the perpetual license model. Like they're really yeah. focus on, you know, new logos, close a deal at any cost, you know, and promise them anything, um, you know, and they're so excited to celebrate every new uh, logo. I worked at a company where, you know, every new logo we sold, we, you know, we, we, we rang the bell, we cheered, um, you know, the, the sales reps all got, you know, these great incentives of going off to club and quotas and and comp and all that and then the renewal teams were just kind of like in the shadows but the renewals like I said that was like 80% of our revenue and if you can keep them not just renewing their license but buying more use you know selling if you can keep selling them more and more value and helping them champion your product there's just exponential growth in there and it's still this kind of like afterthought like it's somehow it's just not as interesting or sexy to engage and um, drive existing customers to value. And I, I you know, you could probably hear my voice. I'm very passionate that we need to be caring for those existing customers.
0: Well, we absolutely, we can hear your passion. And and what <laughs> reminds, it reminds me of years ago, right? We used to say it costs a lot more to acquire a customer than it does to retain them. And exactly. you're, you, I think you're just really uh, spot on there.
1: Thank you. And, and if I can add something, you know, one of the reasons I wrote my book and I dedicate it to the customer. Let me just to open my, my book here. I have it right here on my desk in the dedication. I say um, this book is dedicated to the customer because when customers win, we win. And one of the points I'm making is like so in the world of customer success. So I was I was starting to talk about, OK, customer success started about 10 years ago. That's when I was getting into it. And um, and uh, customer success 1.0 was very reactive, was um, all about oh we got to delight the customer you know make the customer happy which I don't agree with. I believe we need to drive the customers to value, and um, and it was very reactive and we're starting to move into a more prescriptive proactive approach. So customer success 2.0 is all about how can we scale how can we be proactive not just running around with. Our hair on fire. Um, but the thing I still see is that companies, when they t- say customer success, they really mean their company's success. Even though we, you know, we have most companies have like a customer success organization, a, a chief customer officer, that they're still really looking, the lens is pointed inward. They're really looking at how can we be successful. They're still not really owning. That um, that if they commit to the customer success, they they you know it's a given that they'll be successful.
0: Mm -hmm. Again, uh, really some uh, valuable points you're making for our listeners, Donna. One thing you mentioned um, was you don't disagree with the excuse me, you do disagree with the concept of delighting or making happy customers versus value. I love that. Talk us, talk us talk to us a little bit more about that, the value side that you're suggesting.
1: Well, what I see are customer-facing teams running around trying to like, oh, let me log a support ticket for you and whatever the customer wants and needs, they're running around acting like gophers. So being re- really reactive. But, you know, okay, I'll give an analogy. Let's say I go to see a trainer, you know, And uh, my goal is to lose some weight and get fit. And if the customer, if that trainer's trying to keep me me, the customer happy, I might go, oh yeah, that that workout's too hard. Um, I'm not gonna do that. Or, oh, I'm a little sore, or can you rub my back, (laughs) you know, rather than work out. And yeah, they're making me happy. I might feel delighted, but am I reaching my goals? Am I, um, you know, am I reaching my goals of, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting fit for the, this marathon that I might want to do or uh, getting into um, bathing suit shape for my upcoming vacation. No, that takes, you know, pain and sweat and discomfort. And um, and it might mean that I, you know, I might hate you for a while. Right. But you're helping me meet me reach my goals. So in this, you know, not necessarily that our customers need to hate us, but the customers that are using our products most deeply uh might be the ones who are complaining they might be in there um, you know having a lot to say about it because they're pushing the edges Um, you know they might be logging a lot of support tickets because they're using the product you know we don't want it so that people don't log support tickets that that to me is a flag that they're not using the product so we need to get clear about driving customers to value versus delighting them and making them happy. That is not the goal of customer success.
0: Excellent uh, overview there. I actually think uh, in my memory there was a, a Harvard Business Review article about stop delighting your customers.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, exactly.
0: It was, and your, uh, and it was focused on value as you are too. And I, I really think we need to spend more time understanding. Uh, how our organizations deliver that value um, listeners you're listening to Donna Weber she's the author of onboarding matters and this is the all things considered CX podcast we're having a, a great discussion around uh, retaining customers and adding value with Donna uh, during today's session so uh, Donna I um, why do you think it's so difficult? I, I really like your, your analogies with the gym, but why do you think it's so difficult for us uh, to, to convince our leadership that we need to invest in retaining customers? I, I feel like this is a little bit of a shiny ball syndrome, right? Where mm-hmm. we're acquiring, like you said, ring the bell and, you know, but did we ever do that when we retained a customer, you know, maybe when we renewed another three-year contract we did, but, you know, why do you think it's so difficult for us to overcome this concept of investing and retaining customers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Somehow, it's like I say, it's not as sexy, there's something about Mm it. Uh, So I like I'm, I was working with one company, uh, so they provide uh, medical uh, um, software, they provide uh, software and hardware for medical practices. And at the sales side, it's like, they close deals like they will promise the customers the moon, right? They will tell the customers whatever they want to hear, and then they close the deal. And the implementation teams are so busy trying to fulfill this, you know, the moon that was promised. And sometimes they can't, and they end up having to bring the sales rep in and the buyer back in. And 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 rather than uh, customers being thrilled they bought the product, they're frustrated the implementation teams are exhausted and demotivated. Implementations are costing so much that um, between the labor costs of um, the implementations taking too long and the opportunity costs of, of looping back in sales reps because of all these um, uh, misaligned and unrealistic expectations is costing the company like half a million dollars a year and uh, they can't, um, that's really eroding their margins. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, the head of sales is like, don't, so I, you know, I'm proposing we bring customer success in before the deal closes, helping customers understand the path to success. And the the head of sales is like, don't touch my sales, <laughs> my <laughs> sales process. Um, you know, that's where our magic happens. So um, I don't know, there's something there's that kind of tangible instant gratification about um, uh, closing a new logo. There's I think that the sales, um, you know, the buyer journey, the sales process is really like entrenched um, into our culture, into the business culture. And the thing with renewals and expansion is they take time. Um, In the book, I talk about leading indicators and lagging indicators. So a lagging indicator would be a renewal, an expansion. Um, It takes time. So let's say you sell a one year or even a three year license. You don't know if that license is going to renew for three years. So it's not as like, you know, gratifying somehow. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I have to tell you, Bob, that's one thing I don't, I find surprising, confusing, and that's an area I look forward to learning more about and and shining the light on more.
0: Hmm. Well, um, that's a great lead-in uh, with your comments about uh, leading and lagging indicators in your book. Let's let's get into your book, Onboarding Matters, and perhaps give us an overview, Donna, of the book and the framework that you discuss within the book for our listeners.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. So to address this. So uh, my focus is, um, well, let me just step back in the world of customer success. Many, um, many teams and many companies are um, more um, uh, focused on engaging customers towards the end of their license. So Let's say the renewal is coming up in 30, 60, 90 days. They'll start engaging customers, like, hey Bob, you know, how's your experience going? How can I help you be successful? Um, so let's again we'll, we'll use the gym analogy. You know, I joined a gym, my year membership is coming up for a renewal. Suddenly they reach out, they want to engage me, they tell me about all the classes coming up, they ask me about my goals, and where have they been for the last nine, nine months? I'm disengaged, I'm, you know, I'm frustrated. Um, i have no interest in them so i'm all about those first 30 60 90 days when customers are most interested in in your product and and excited about your product you know that's when we're most excited is during the buyer journey and and then when we just purchase and that's when we really need to engage the customer understand their goals and objectives for purchasing the product and it then driving them to value, ensuring they reach those goals. And with the understanding or or with the observation also that um, all of these customer facing teams that um, I've worked with have traditionally been in silos. So we have the customer education, the customer support, professional services. Um, There might be a customer success team, for example, all of those teams are very um, internally focused and, um, and siloed and nobody's been traditionally really engaging and owning that customer journey. So seeing that gap and seeing the need to really um, focus on the onboarding stage of the customer journey, I built out the orchestrated onboarding framework. So the framework has six stages and those stages are embark, handoff, kickoff adopt, review, and expand. And the goal, you know, we could go into each of the stages if you like, but the goal is really to focus not just on selling your product, you know, and the the deals close, hooray. It's not just about going live with your product. Great, we've gone live. Okay, they have a technology solution. Everything should be fine. It's really about how do we build the relationship? How do we understand some initial value we can drive customers to? And then, how do we keep maximizing the value?
0: So, Donna, is it is it fair to say or conclude from your comments that uh, while while we are inclined to celebrate a win and move on, what you're really saying is the hard work really begins once the win is in the in the bank, so to speak, to ensure uh, and, and 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 we have to start retaining the customer. The day we win the customer. Am I summarizing that fairly
1: from your yes, perspective? Yes, absolutely, Bob. Yeah. So, for example, um, I heard from um, a colleague of mine who focuses on sales enablement you don't close a deal, you open a relationship. So, yes, that's where we really need to provide that seamless journey. Uh, McKinsey has a great article called From Touch Points to Journeys. And what they find is that even though you know a lot of a lot of companies do all of these um, customer satisfaction uh, surveys at a transactional level. So, oh, you know how uh, I just logged? Uh, I just had a, a, an in app chat. You know, I just like I'm shopping online. Online, I just uh, had a chat. I had support. You know, for my computer. And there's it's very common that we get a survey. How was your experience? Um, uh, uh, you know, every time I go to. Um, to Walgreens. Now they send me a survey about how was my experience. So that's at a very transactional level. And I might say, yeah, that that experience at Walgreens was awesome. Or um, my support ticket was resolved, you know, fabulously. But even though the satisfaction levels might be high, when companies don't really create that seamless and prescriptive journey for customers overall satisfaction drops dramatically so even though i might have had a great support experience if i'm not really being guided to those objectives then overall my satisfaction will be dropped so you know when i use a product when companies buy you know i'm primarily talking about the b2b space but um, when, when companies buy the product, they're, they're not buying it because they like your software. They're buying it because they are looking for some transformation. They're looking for some changes in their business. You know, I don't buy a hammer because I like a hammer. I'm buying it because I wanna hang something on my wall. Um, To uh, you know i'm buying it because I want to create a like a nice atmosphere in my home or I want to show that um, i'm a qualified professional by hanging up all of my. uh, degrees and certifications, so we really need to understand, like the purpose and drive the uh, customer to that initial value and then we stay engaged along their journey to help them not just use our product, but to transform their business.
0: And I really like this approach and the framework that you mentioned, uh, Embark, Handoff, Kickoff, Adopt, Review and Expand. Uh, do you wanna highlight maybe a couple of those to entice our, our listeners to uh, grab your book and read in more detail?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I'd like to focus on um, actually the um, the adopt stage. And I call it the adopt stage. Rather than the implement stage because it's not just about implementing a product it's about getting users to use it so there's a few things I want to talk about in there, because it, you know I, I work with um, you know mostly high tech. Uh, uh, high growth companies um, I work with a lot of companies that have long and complex implementations and what happens is you know you close the deal. And then these companies just jump into these long and complex implementations that include data migrations and customizations and API's and you know all of this, uh, uh, you know, tailoring uh, fields and branding and so uh, companies uh, that I work with they they jump into the technical weeds. And so they haven't developed the relationship we've just talked about. They haven't focused on um, the success outcomes we've talked about. And as you know, when you're doing these complex technical implementations, they're fraught with challenges. So they haven't developed a relationship that's going to kind of get them through the rough times. Um, so I like to emphasize that onboarding is not just about implementing your product. There, a lot of companies use those words as synonyms, and I disagree. They are very separate. Onboarding is all about driving customers to value. Implementation is going live with your product, which is important, you know, if your, if your product doesn't go live, you're not gonna have a product to use. However, the adopt stage also includes the product adoption, the user adoption. And I wanna emphasize, you know, we're not just talking, in, in, even though it's a B2B, a business to business transaction, There's people who are ultimately using the product that the people are not being considered enough and that's something I I really highlight in the book that you really need to ensure that you know, the different roles, the different jobs to be done, and you need to ensure those users uh, are are transforming how they do their work on a day to day business with your product you're not just going live with within a company.
0: I find it fascinating Donna how. Changing one word from implement to adopt brings a whole different meaning and perspective to what we're trying to accomplish. It just seems so impactful to call it something to call it like you did within your framework. And it just changes your mindset, which I think well, your framework you. is doing. Thank you. It's changing the mindset. So this has um, been a really uh Interesting approach and, and listeners. I, I really think the framework that Donna has presented in her book, Onboarding Matters, is one you should definitely um, pick up her book and, and understand more fully um, uh, so that you can really focus on uh, adding that value and, and really uh, onboarding customers in a more effective way. Donna, before we conclude our session today, I always um, like to have our guests provide some, you know, final thoughts and advice for our listeners that that may have listened to the podcast, purchased your book, and then said, "Okay, I'm ready to go. This makes a lot of sense to me. I'm ready to dive in." Final thoughts or advice that you might have for them?
1: Oh, thanks, thanks, Bob. Um, well. I really want you to, you know, to, to to follow on from what I was just talking about. Really think about who the users are. So you didn't just close a new account. You didn't just bag a new logo. Who are those users in the account? So so take some time to really think about the end users. They might be business analysts. They might be shop floor workers. They might be um, executives. Um, you know, if you work with a, within a space where it's a B to B to B or a B to B to C, um, like, you you know, one company I worked with, it was a, it's a, they provide a supply chain management, but there was very, there was multiple levels. There was like the, the buyer, which for them would be like a big company like Chevron. And then they had these, they call them uh, the suppliers who would, um, were these agencies that brought in all the workers, let's say to work on the oil pipelines and then there's the workers so there's this kind of b2b I guess to be to because the workers are still business. So there's all these levels and each of them have different goals and outcomes and needs and might be using the platforms in very different ways. An example to relate to is like uh, the lift lift the um, you know the car service so lift has a need to. Um, onboard and enable their drivers, but they also need to onboard and enable their the the passengers, and those are very different things. Um, so there might you know there might be multiple levels within your um, uh, th- those folks who are really using your product, and think carefully about how each of those needs to be onboarded and how they you, you need to drive their product adoption and what goals and outcomes they might have along their journey.
0: Excellent. Uh, Donna, thank you for that and your session. How might our listeners get in contact with you um, should they want to learn more?
1: Well, you can go to my website, DonnaWeber.com. And that's D-O-N-N-A-W-E-B-E-R dot com. That's Weber like the barbecue one B.
0: (laughs) Excellent. That's great. again, Donna, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on our podcast. This is a fascinating subject, and uh, I look forward to our listeners gaining a lot of insight from you and your book about this subject. Listeners, this has been another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your network, and as always, stay tuned for another podcast episode in the future with great guests joining me on the podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered, CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences.